Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast, your birth for the best stories in boating. Each week, my colleagues and I will bring you everything from salty stories to thought-provoking trend discussions, as well as interviews with the most interesting characters to ply the sea. Whether you're listening from the boatyard, your slip, or hopefully well underway, we're glad to have you aboard. Hi, this is Captain Bill Fike here, Deputy Editor of Power and Motor Yacht Magazine, and uh, welcome to another Power and Motor Yacht Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking with David and Alex Borton, the father and son team that earlier this year, in a very pretty little 27-foot cruiser called Wayward Sun, completed a voyage of some 1,200 nautical miles from Bellingham, Washington, to Juneau, Alaska, or actually a bit beyond uh, Juneau, as I understand it, without spending a dime on fuel. The essence of this feat, most likely the first one of its kind in the Pacific Northwest, or maybe anywhere else for that matter, is a solar-powered propulsion system that features a 4KW Torquedo electric motor pushing a very slippery running surface. Thanks to that motor, as well as a sophisticated solar array on the boat's rooftop, there was no need to stop to recharge batteries at marinas along the route, or indeed top off with gasoline or diesel fuel. Perhaps a little simplistically put, if the sun is shining or even pretending to do so, wayward sun can travel just about indefinitely. Welcome, guys. Uh, glad you could join us today. Thank you. And uh, first of all, could you both tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to be involved with solar-powered boating? I think, David, uh, you are a former professor, now retired from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in Troy, New York. Is that, uh, is that right? Yes. Um, and I got into boats uh, before I was a year old. And I missed only two years of my life in the Adirondacks in boats. And uh, in the 1970s, uh, my wife and I had just gotten graduate degrees in physics, and we could not buy oil. It was the oil crisis. And if you look around, solar energy is the obvious uh, solution to um, the oil problem. And then did you, what did you teach at Rensselaer? I taught solar energy engineering. At some point, I decided that I should put the boating and the solar together, and I did that, uh, I don't know, a dozen years ago, maybe, started doing that. Right. And it worked so well that um, we just kept at it and kept making better and better boats and made it so that this trip was really, I'm going to say, quite easy. Huh. Well, it looked like, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of photography on your website. It looks like it was a an enjoyable trip. Very much so. How about you, Alex? Well, I've been boating my whole life as well. Some paddling and rowing and sailing small boats when I was little and did a little bit of work sailing tall ships. I became a sailing instructor for a while, taught sailing in Mexico and in the San Juan Islands here in Washington and in British Columbia. And then because I'm here out here on the West Coast, I couldn't let my dad have all the fun with the solar boats on the East Coast. So I figured out a way to 
introduce our solar style boats here on the West Coast. Huh. So, David, what was the first, what kind of boat was the first electric uh, boat that you developed? Was it electric or was it solar electric? It was solar electric and huh. it was actually a 20 foot aluminum canoe, which is very big and not very efficient in the water. Uh -huh. uh, but if you put a couple of solar panels and a battery and the right electronics and a little motor on it, it became a very useful, uh, more than a toy, um, enough to make me realize that, you know, this had some potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the electric motor you used was uh, like a Minn Kota, something like that? Yeah, yeah, a little trolling motor. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So do you think then that solar power, I mean, obviously you're committed to it. You taught it for a long time. Uh, do you think solar power is the way of the future? <laughs> yes, obviously. Um, now in boats, that may not be for all boats right away because there's a lot of momentum in the system keeping uh, fossil fuel boats going. Um, but Solar is the energy that has kept people alive for millions of years. It's keeping us alive now, and uh, it's got a very good future. Right. Uh, Alex, I understand that uh, my friend Sam Devlin of Devlin Designing Boat Builders in Olympia, Washington, Sam uh, built Wayward Sun? Yes. When I was looking for a builder out in, here in Puget Sound, um, it didn't take me long to find Sam, and it didn't take long after that to realize that he was the obvious choice for us to um, partner with to build Wayward Sun. And Sam even has designed a couple other boats. We's designed a 38-foot cruiser and a 45-foot cruiser, which will be beautiful boats as well. We started with the 27 because it was the smallest and decided that we would have one ready for the Seattle Boat Show in 2019, and we did. And that's how Wayward Sun came to be. Uh -huh. Was the boat built with the famous, uh, with Sam's famous stitch and glue method? It was, yeah. Yeah, which made a very light, strong boat the way all of his boats are. You know, we had a, a basic hull shape that, that we really liked and found to be very efficient. And Sam adapted that to his construction and it works very well. Right. And is there a reason why you would go with a wooden boat, essentially a wooden boat versus fiberglass? Is there environmental consideration there or, or some other consideration? Well, I think more, more cost. I mean, besides wooden boats are more classy, I think. <laughs> if you're building one boat, I think it makes sense and is, is more cost effective to build it out of wood. If you're building many, many, then it makes sense to invest in a mold for fiberglass and then the unit price can be less expensive, but it's a more significant investment up front. Uh -huh. Is the wooden boat more buoyant, do you think, or hard to say? Yeah, I don't know about the physics of that, you know. <laughs> I'll jump in and say that in a displacement hull, weight is really not very much of an issue. Uh-huh. That's a good so, point. Mm -hmm. And so um, the wood for a one-off boat is much easier for multiple versions like we're doing for a 24-foot boat now, which it will be fiberglass. 
-hmm. the way to go is to uh, make the molds and mold the boat. Right. David, is the solar array on the boat's rooftop, is that the latest and greatest uh, uh, technology, would you say? Well, you only have so much room on the roof of a boat. Right. We designed our boat so that the boat would require the amount of power to go through the water that was available on the roof. So uh, if you use very efficient panels, which we do, then that can be the case. Uh-huh. I'm kind of struck by the basic simplicity, I guess, and maybe I'm off in left field on this, but it seems like I've been on some other boats, uh, electric boats, and one solar-powered, at least one solar-powered electric boat. They were all very complicated. They were quite complicated to operate. In fact, they were almost intimidating to operate. They were so complicated. This boat, by comparison, seems comparatively simple. Okay, well, that's sort of our secret sauce on our patented designs. And that is we use an efficient hull, efficient motor and propeller, efficient electronics in the propulsion system, and um, efficient solar panels. So if you put all those things together, then you get a very efficient, simple to drive boat. Well, I want to say about the simple to operate point too. It's, you walk on and you, you, you turn on the system and you go and you come back and you turn it off and you hop off your boat and leave. And that's true, you know, all year round, there's no maintenance, very little maintenance on the whole system. There's no oil changes. There's no cooling system. There's no fluids to check. You just get on and it goes. So you don't need, uh, do, you, do you need cooling, any kind of cooling system to, to address the heat, possible heat in the batteries, lithium batteries, anything like that? You don't have any, any need for a cooling system like you would on an internal combustion boat. That's correct. The batteries are ventilated, but a little bit. They live in the battery compartments. Um, the motor, electric motors do heat up. Ours is water-cooled, meaning the motor is in a pod that sits below the boat that sits in the water. So it's cooled by the water going past the torpedo, basically. Yes, exactly. So there's no cooling system, which, again, makes it simple as well as efficient. Yeah, very simple. Very you simple. mentioned battery heat, and our system is designed so that it's very gentle on the batteries. The solar charging is gentle, and the electric discharging in propulsion is gentle. So we're not generating a lot of heat in the batteries. It's, it's really very good for battery life that way. So could you describe, I mean, it's, it's such a different approach propulsion. I mean, you really don't care. The only thing you can control really is the throttle. On any given day, how would you use the throttle to maximize uh, the distance you wanted to travel? I mean, it depends on whether it was a sunny day or a cloudy day. Um, we sort of have three choices when we're going. We can use the battery. Mm -hmm. We can charge the battery, and we can go exactly off of the incoming um, sunshine. So we have a little meter on our dashboard that shows exactly how much sunshine is coming in, and then we can make the decision from there. Is there a switch 
Alex, that you can, are there buttons you can push to change from one to the other of those three modes? No, no, no it's, just, it's just the throttle. Uh-huh. You know, so we, we pay attention on a sunny uh-huh. day, you know, we can drive between five and six knots straight off the sunshine. Right. That's if we threw our batteries overboard. Now, at that time, while you're driving, powered by the sun, can you also charge your batteries at the same time if you're not using all the electricity that's generated? Exactly. Collected? Exactly. And I think you said it very well. By adjusting the throttle, we can decide how much energy is going into the battery and how much is is coming out of the battery. Uh Uh-huh. And it sounds like, essentially, the slowest you would go on an overcast day is about 2.5 knots. Yep. On an overcast day, we'd be going two foot, two and a half knots, or sometimes even faster off of the sun. You know, we called it cloud shine, you know, what was coming through the clouds. Huh. So and that's so- and that's if we were not using any battery. Yeah. So we could use the battery, you know, we could get half the power from the battery and half the power from the solar panels and keep going at five knots if we wanted to, which it would do sometimes. So actually on an overcast day, the light from the sun is getting through the clouds to some extent. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. Surprisingly more than you might expect. Yeah. Yeah. Because the clouds are shining from all directions above you. Whereas when the sun is out, the sun is only coming from one small space in the sky. Uh-huh. The clouds, the, the clouds shine from every direction onto the solar panels. Is it possible that the technology that you're using in the 27-footer, I mean, could you put a kit together, let's say, and sell it to people, builders of boats in this size range? There are a few of them, I think whereby you could have uh, fiberglass, uh, electric fiber or solar powered fiberglass boats. That's what we're building right now. We have a production line going for a 24 foot solar cell uh, design and um, we will be making fiberglass boats like this. Huh. Where, whereabouts, David? In, in uh, Troy, New York, where you're located or out in Washington? Well, when we get a little bit bigger, we will probably do it in Troy or near Troy and possibly also in Washington. Uh-huh. At the moment, our hulls are made in uh, Florida and our um, people who are finishing the boat and putting the pieces all together are in Maine. Huh. When will that, uh, do you have any idea when that boat will launch? Well, we're looking for a um, February of 2022 for the uh, sea trials. Uh huh. Would it perhaps be at one of the, will you have it at one of the boat shows? We hope so. <laughs> Probably more than one boat show. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so too. Okay. So uh, some of the obvious advantages are, okay, you don't have to spend any money on fuel. Uh, the system uh, I've listened to some of your videos on the web. It sounds like the system is very quiet. But are there some other advantages that you can think of? Yes. Well, there are electric boat advantages. For instance, when you're docking, you don't have a clunk into forward and a clunk into reverse. 
right. you have full control and full torque at all propeller speeds right from the throttle. And then you also don't have to go to a gas dock. And we mentioned low maintenance. There are no oil changes. There's mm. no cooling water to drain in the winter. So um, those are all electric boat advantages. And then we have solar advantages because there's no fuel cost at all. And um, you don't have range anxiety. I mean, <laughs> we started off to uh, Glacier Bay and we knew we'd make it. Um, we weren't quite sure what the timing is, but then you don't know that on a long cruise anyway. Right. And then there are economic advantages. There's certainly very low operating costs, and there's also a lower life cycle cost. And then there's health advantages. No fumes, no particulates, no poisonous nitric oxide, no fossil fuel fire danger, and you mentioned less noise, which is always good for your health. And all the above are also environmental advantages of a solar electric boat. Yeah, very uh, interesting that the, the point you made about the instantaneous torque, uh, I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to go over to Germany and run, I ran some boats with Torquedo outboards on them and I had to dock a few of them. And it's, uh, the outboards are different because you don't have to wait for the, the torque is instantaneous and you can control the speed of the propeller right down to, you know, just, I mean, the speed of a clock almost. So it makes the boat handling much uh, uh, easier, I'd say. We would agree. <laughs> well, I think one other one other advantage of it too is depending on your situation, you know, if you have a, a boat on a lake and there isn't any fuel nearby, you need to, might have to carry gasoline cans down to your dock from your car. Um, and there's all of that logistics for a, a gasoline boat or a diesel boat. And our boat is wonderful because it'll just sit there at the dock and fill up its fuel tank and fill up its battery. Even if unattended. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, how many, how many days did the trip take roughly? It was 45 days to kind of start to finish. I'm sure there probably, I'm not, uh, I doubt that there was an average day. Maybe there was. But is there a way you could give us an idea of what it was like, you know, what a day on board uh, Wayward Sun uh, underway, what, what that would be like? Sure. You know, there are, there are a lot of variables um, cruising on any boat, of course. Right. So things that we knew, we knew which way we were going. We were going north. We sort of knew what the currents would do. Some places had better current predictions than others. Sometimes we would have to guess and sometimes the current information would be incorrect. Um, there was a lot of spring runoff which affected the current and in, in different channels. Mm -hmm. um, so in a typical day, we'd, we'd look at the best current information that we had and we would decide when we were going to get up. So we'd do that the night before. So it's almost like a sailboat in that 
uh, you're playing the current, you, you're timing your travel to mm. benefit from the current. Absolutely. If possible. Yeah, any boat that goes five knots, you want to um, be smart about it and use the current to your advantage and not mm-hmm. have it be in <laughs> knocking you backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what we wouldn't know when we would get up is where we were going to stop because we didn't know exactly what the weather was going to do. We didn't know exactly what the wind was going to do. We had forecasts and everything, but you never really know. Mm-hmm. So at some point after breakfast and after a couple of cups of tea, we'd crack open the guidebooks and look at options of where we might stop for the day and, and then, we'd get as far as we could get. And one person would drive and the other would read or whatever, I guess. Well, let me say that Alex was really good at looking at places we might want to get to. Uh-huh. It would be a, well, we know we can get to here. And then if we get to there, we can most likely get to this other place. And then if it's going very well, let's go for the next place. So we had options all the time as to how far we would go, depending on all the things like current and wind and sunshine. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed in the photography or perhaps video, I can't remember, but I saw uh, you, David, um, uh, chowing down on a rather delectable looking uh, waffle. So did waffles uh, factor in? Were, were they energizing on this trip? <laughs> well, uh, I'm from the Northeast and we have maple syrup up here. Ah, yes. <laughs> and Me too. We, we make a little maple syrup ourselves and um, it's always good to put that on pretty much anything, ice cream. Uh, we didn't have ice cream. You could put it on pancakes and waffles. And so um, we did have a little inverter. So we took some of our propulsion battery and inverted that to AC and he did a waffle iron when we wanted waffles. <laughs> sounds, uh, sounds like a really great idea to me. Uh, are you planning any further adventures? I know you're gonna, you're building some boats, but have you got uh, anything, in the, anything in the works that you would like to talk about? Uh, I've been out the Erie Canal and back, and that's a fraction of the Great Loop. And it would be fun to have enough time to do the Great Loop. But um, this year we had time because of COVID in order to uh, take this trip. Right. And hopefully COVID will go away and so that we will have less time for the kind of trip you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are so many amazing places between here and Alaska to check out. And we we're kind of traveling through, you know, in the Appalachian Trail, they called themselves through hikers. We were sort of through boaters, you know, going from here to there. And there's so many fun little nooks and crannies to explore. And, you know, these boats, uh, both Wayward Sun and our 24 are all trailerable. So might trailer the boat up to here and there for a couple of weeks uh, and, and poke around and really check out some of the amazing places that we kind of waved at as we went by. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Uh, well, uh... I'm not sure I should even bring this subject up, but I'm guessing people would want to know, uh, and I'm interested to know. I mean, it's a 
it's a long 40 some days, long time <laughs> to spend with anybody on a 27 foot boat. I mean, did everything always go copacetically? <laughs> I printed up a little uh, colored piece of paper that said first class passenger. <laughs> and I gave it to Captain Alex. I'm a captain, but I gave it to him and said, okay, you're the captain and I'm the passenger. <laughs> um, that really worked pretty well because uh, we both cooked, we both washed dishes, um, but I kept a closer watch onto the battery and propulsion in the solar system. Mm-hmm. That's sort of physics and my thing. And Alex kept a very close watch on all of these places we could stop, uh, depending on how far we got in a day and what we wanted to do. Do we want to stop by this glacier or do we want to keep going? And he was very good at that. Mm-hmm. Several years ago, and I referred to this a little bit earlier, uh, a builder, um, I believe it was a Florida builder, came out with a diesel hybrid powered vessel with a solar array. And it was supposed to be capable of cruising on the sun's energy alone. And I had the opportunity to sea trial the boat. And as I was saying earlier, it was so complicated to operate, perhaps uh, to some extent due to the complexity of the hybrid power plant. But by comparison, this boat seems as if it would be just, uh, as Alex said earlier, you just, you just get on the boat I guess you turn it, I don't know, maybe you turn a key, maybe you don't. And and that's it. Yes, well, I, again, I will say I'm a physicist. And if you get the physics right, it really is pretty simple. You yeah. turn on a light switch when you want lights in your house, and you turn on the power switch when you want your boat to go. I want to thank you very much for spending the time with me today. I've certainly enjoyed talking uh, about this uh, rather fabulous cruise you've just uh, uh, put into the record books. I don't think there's anything, has anybody done anything quite like this before, to your knowledge? Well, there was a solar boat that went around the Great Loop a few years ago. Um, There's also been very expensive, high-tech solar boats that have gone around the world, at least one that I know of. And I don't think there's been anybody that's done the inside passage on a solar boat. I think we would have heard about it. Mm-hmm. And the weather, I think, I mean, I've been, I've traveled the inside passage myself on a various boats. And eh, once in a while you get a nice sunny day, but for the most part, the weather is, tends to be overcast most of the time. That was our experience. Most <laughs> of the time it was overcast. Or raining. Yeah. Well, I want to congratulate you both uh, on your uh, on the successful trip, and I hope we can get together uh, sometime in the near future. It'd be great to get together all in one spot and take a long, quiet, environmentally responsible, solar-powered boat ride. <laughs> We'd well, like that too. Bet. We'll <laughs> we'll bring one of our twenty fours down to Florida, and uh, I'll go for a ride together. That sounds like a winner. Until then, <laughs> take care, guys. Thanks you too. Much. Thanks, Captain Bill. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. 
or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water.